0: Um, So this is our last week of Restore for 2020. So sad. I know you guys are going to miss us so much until summer camp or next year. Um, Over the past four weeks, we've been looking at a series on prayer. We've looked at why we should pray, what are some of the obstacles of praying. We've looked at what sort of things we should pray for. And last week, we looked at what we should do when it doesn't seem like God's answering our prayers. So Sam's prayed before, but it's a topic on prayer, night on prayer, so we can't get too much of it. So let's join together and pray before we start. Heavenly Father, please speak through me tonight. Help our hearts to be open. Lord, help us stir in us a new motivation for prayer, Lord. Change our hearts. Help us to connect to you and hear what you have to say to us through new eyes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, at the beginning of this year, I was doing a bit of shopping, as I normally do, in great old Rouse Hill. And I went into a store, picked out an outfit, and went to the change rooms to try it on. You know, I tried to find the the cleanest cubicle and went out the back um, to kind of the back of the store, which is where the cleanest cubicle was. So I tried on my outfit, took it off, got dressed again, didn't like it, and went to go out of the cubicle of this change room and found that the door lock was jammed. So I thought, okay, I'm an adult and human, I can deal with this. So I thought, how am I gonna get out? And you know, I just gave it a quick few shoves, I tried twisting the lock a couple times, nothing seemed to work. And the problem was I would've climbed over or under this change room, but it was one of those like 10 foot doors. So I couldn't have gotten over and there was about this much underneath. So I was quite embarrassed at this point. I'd been in there for a few minutes. So I started like quietly, just really softly saying like, is anyone there? Can anyone help me? And started about 30 second increments. So I waited and I waited and called out again. Can anyone hear me? Can anyone help me? Nothing, nothing so i did what any young modern person would do right i started snapchatting it just in case i had to capture my last moments on camera right so i'm in there now for quite a long time and the increments are getting shorter 20 seconds now can anyone hear me can anyone help me and then 10 seconds and my voice is getting louder can anyone hear me can anyone help me and i pull out my phone and i'm starting to call the store Like, because they're not hearing me and the music is so loud, no one picks up the phone. So I've been stuck in here for about half an hour in this change room. I'm about to, like, start breaking the door down before finally a nice woman came and let me, she got some help and they were able to, like, break the door in. But when I was in there, I just kept calling and calling out and wondering if it would ever make a difference, if anyone would come to my rescue. And I tell you that story because sometimes I think prayer feels a bit like this that we're crying out to God to hear us, but it doesn't seem like he's gonna make a difference to our situation at all. I'm sure we've probably all felt that way. You might even have thought, what's the point of praying? If God is in control of the world, why even bother? So tonight, we're going to look at two people in the Bible who are going to show us that prayer does make a difference. We already heard great testimonies before from Katie and Peter that prayer does really make a difference. And so we're going to look at two people um, and how God responds to them and then how they respond to God's answer in two very different ways. So first up, we have Hezekiah's humility. So, Hezekiah, you guys probably don't know him. He was a king over Israel. Um, He was a pretty good king. He listened to God's advice. He listened to God's wisdom. And he was pretty good compared to some of the pretty terrible kings that the other guys, um, that Israel had had previously. But later on in his life, Hezekiah became sick. Very sick. And in fact, one of God's prophets, Isaiah, was sent to tell him that he would die from his illness. And so we're going to pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 20, where Hezekiah has just learned that he is going to die. So hopefully the passage will come up on the screen. So he's just learned that he's going to die. So Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And then fairly quickly, God replies through the prophet Isaiah and says, um, God says this, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple and I will add 15 years to your life. So God grants Hezekiah's prayer. He gives him 15 more years to live. But it's not that God changes his mind, right? It's not like Hezekiah is kind of pleading his case to God and God's like, good point. Didn't think of that, Hezekiah. No, God is using prayer as a way of accomplishing his work on earth. He cares about Hezekiah and his illness, and he's overflowing in grace and mercy to him. So I just want you to imagine if you were Hezekiah for a minute, imagine you got these 15 extra years to live. How would you act? You'd probably be pretty excited, right? You'd probably praise God and say, thank you, God. Maybe for the next few weeks, oh, I don't need that page anyway. Maybe for the next few weeks, you'd probably follow God, like try and do every single little thing right, wouldn't you? But unfortunately, Hezekiah doesn't do that. He starts off pretty good, but then quickly he forgets God and actually becomes prideful. So the next part of the story says, In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. He prayed to the Lord, who answered him, and gave him a miraculous sign. But Hezekiah's heart was proud, and he did not respond to the kindness shown him. Therefore, the Lord's wrath was on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah repented of the pride of his heart, as did the people of Jerusalem. Therefore the Lord's wrath did not come on them during the days of Hezekiah. So does prayer make a difference? Yes. God answered Hezekiah's prayer, but he became prideful and he forgot the kindness shown him. And so guys, I wonder if sometimes we can become a bit like that today. Whether God answers our prayer and we forget him. We don't give him the glory that he deserves and we become prideful. Maybe, you're, maybe you prayed for, a, say, a presentation that you're going to give at school and you pray and it goes really well. Do you then say, oh, it must be because I was such a good public speaker? Or do you say, wow, look what God did in that situation? Or maybe you're praying to God about a job interview that you have. Then You do the job interview and you get the job and you go, how great is that? But instead of saying, praise God, look what God did, you say, must be because I did the interview really well. When we we don't praise God for answered prayer, we rob him of the glory that he deserves. But Hezekiah's story didn't end all bad because you might have noticed, as I read out in the passage, that he does repent from his pride. He realises he did the wrong thing. So just like him, we should make sure that God gets the credit for answered prayer. If you become prideful and think you can do everything without him, then make sure you repent like Hezekiah and be humble. Maybe you can keep a prayer diary for that purpose or make an effort to thank God for the things that he has done rather than just asking all the time. So that's the story of Hezekiah's humility. Now let's look at Hannah's hallelujah. Hannah was a woman in the Old Testament who couldn't have a baby. She really, really, really wanted to have a baby, but she just hadn't for a number of years. And um, people actually made fun of her and were really terrible to her about it. And she would just cry and cry and cry and cry about it. And so in the Bible, it says that in her anguish and her really deep sadness, she prays to God about it. And she makes this promise to God. She says, God, if I can have a baby, I will dedicate that baby to you and he can serve in the temple and I will give him up so he can do that. And so she's at the temple when Hannah's praying this prayer and she's so emotional and heartbroken and she's just crying out to God, she's pouring out to him that the priest at the temple sees her and thinks she's drunk. But she says to him, no, I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And guys, this is the perfect example of how God wants us to relate to him. He wants us to ask him. He wants us to pour out our hearts to him. He wants us to tell our souls to him. And what happened? God listened to her prayer. And she had a baby and named him Samuel, which means heard by God. So does prayer make a difference? Yes, absolutely. Hannah goes on to keep her vow to God. And so when um, Samuel's about three years old, she takes him up to the temple where he will then serve under the priests. And she's only going to see him a couple of times a year. And that was such a massive sacrifice that she would have made for him. But how did she respond? Not like Hezekiah, who was prideful, but she praises God. And in 1 Samuel chapter 2, we have a whole chapter of how she praises God. Here's just a few verses from her prayer she says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no God like our God. So friends, I wonder today whether we respond to God's answered prayer like this. Do we respond with our hearts overflowing with joy, rejoicing, praising, thanking him? Because that's how it should be. But my experience is that we're just neutral. We don't care. We just think it's Oh yeah, cool, God did that. But the fact that the God of the universe hears and responds to our request should blow us away. It's amazing and mysterious and crazy that he has allowed us to do this. Prayer is not granting your wishes like a genie. It's not about making your life pleasant or easy. When that's all prayer is, it's no wonder we find it so hard and there's no motivation to do it. But when we realise that prayer isn't about our comfort, but that it's about God's mission on earth, then we have a new motivation to pray. Prayer becomes one of the most important things we could ever be doing. I love this quote that a pastor once said, every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. Every great movement, every Christian revival, every church plant, every missionary endeavour, every Christian-led social justice movement has started from someone humbly praying on their knees. That's what this is a symbol of. Prayer can change the world. Prayer is the way that God accomplishes his work on earth. He invites us to participate in the saving of souls, in the transforming of lives, in the restoring of joy. The prayer that Jesus' disciples taught him to pray, the Lord's Prayer, starts with God's mission and God's kingdom. It doesn't start with, Lord, help me with this deadline or help me with this assignment. Although those are good things to pray for, it's primarily about God's kingdom. And I think, guys, we've lost this eternal, spiritual and heavenly focus. We should be saying, God, we want the things that you want, not God, help me make my life comfortable. When we pray things like, your kingdom come, your will be done, we are praying for God's salvation plan to be worked throughout the world. We are praying for the salvation of souls, the spread of the church, and power against the evil one. The world is at war. There is a spiritual battle going on right now to save souls, to take people Um, away from Christ. That's what the devil's trying to do. And Jesus is trying to bring them into his new kingdom. And so the devil and these powers of evil are trying to pull people away from Christ. But through prayer, God invites us to be a part of his mission and a part of his army in the world. And so it's like we are soldiers in a deep valley, right? We are the soldiers in this deep valley, and there's a commander, God, who can see what's going on over this world. And so prayer is the radio that connects us to the commander. Sometimes the soldiers radio the commander for a missile strike to stop the enemy. They might radio for backups or for reinforcements. They might radio for extra supplies if they run out. They might be in the middle of a battle and see an injured soldier, and so they radio for a medic to go. They might see some civilians and need to let them know that danger is coming, so they radio the commander to send out more soldiers. And friends, these are our examples or illustrations of the kind of spiritual things we should be praying for. So when the devil is gaining ground, we pray to God for a spiritual missile attack. When people are losing the battle against temptation, we pray and ask that commander to send them back up. When people are struggling in their faith, we pray for the commander to send the supplies that they need. When people are injured or sick, we pray for people to go and help them and support them in their hard times. When people don't know the danger that they are in, we pray that God would raise up people to share the gospel. God is the commander in charge of the resources. He has the power and he has the battle plan so we can go out on mission. Ephesians 6 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Jesus sighed and rose again to turn sinners into soldiers. He died to bring people on the fringes into his family, and he died to bring people from eternal destruction to eternal life. This is the gospel message that we have been given and are told to take out into the world. Now, sometimes this commander, in his knowledge of the whole battlefield, might not send the supplies that the soldiers think they need. He might require his soldiers to go through hard things. But when the soldiers know the bigger battle that they're fighting for, they can persevere and endure. When they know that ultimately the battle has been won, they can face this life and they can rest in the future one. Prayer is the way that God accomplishes his work on earth. He works through us. God has given us the message to take this gospel to everyone. And sometimes that means we'll be fighting evil and sometimes that means we'll be bringing hope. So let me challenge you. If you are struggling with prayer, try praying some of these battle prayers. You can still pray for the everyday things. That's good. But if you're struggling with that motivation, remember that you are a soldier in a spiritual war. Start praying for God to raise up ministry workers. Start praying for God to plant more churches, to rescue more people, to build his kingdom, to help people in a persecuted church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have set us apart to be in your family, that you have given us a mission and a job to do, Lord, to take the gospel the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And so we pray right now that in this very room, Lord, that you might raise up kids ministers and youth ministers and pastors and teachers and gospel workers, Lord, who might take your good news to the ends of the earth. We pray that through the ministry here in Richmond, that many people would come to know you and be saved and that you would allow us to keep serving you in this way for many years to come. We ask now as we pray to you, please inspire us and stir within us a passion for Jesus, that it might change our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.